Hey, well, good morning. I wanna welcome you back to our Reflecting the Light series. We're in part 24. Now, the funny thing about this is, is I named this message, The Bigger Picture, part two, because the last time we talked out of the Reflecting the Light series, we talked about a bigger picture that Jesus saw, a bigger picture that he understood. If you remember the story of last time we came together, Jesus had been away. He had been out of Judea, and his friend Lazarus had become sick. And Lazarus' sisters, Mary and Martha, had sent a message to Jesus, said, hey, your friend that you love is sick. Can you come and heal him? And Jesus, knowing that, waited two days, got his disciples and said, hey, it's time to come and go there. And he even said, look, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep or has died. See, Jesus understood a bigger picture. When he got there, he raised Lazarus from the dead, who had been dead four days. And I'm summarizing this. This is in chapter 11 of John. And I'm summarizing this because Jesus saw a bigger picture. This miracle of raising Lazarus from the dead would be one of the last miracles that he does publicly. It is a huge thing. It created a lot of stir. It created a lot of people to believe, but it also created fear in the hearts of the Pharisees and those that didn't understand what was going on. And he raised Lazarus from the dead, and he did it so that the Son of Man, so that God would be glorified, so that people would understand that he is the Messiah. This is one of the last great signs and wonders that Jesus would do. And he did it. He knew that Lazarus was going to die. Did he want to cause anybody pain? No. We saw the human emotions of Jesus. There was anger, and he wept over Lazarus. But then he raised him from the grave so that his disciples would know that he was the Messiah, so that those that witnessed it would know that he was truly from God. Now, we know that not everybody was going to understand that, but he needed that core. He needed his disciples to understand who he was. So it was an amazing thing. So there's, because of the miracles... The religious leaders did not know how to handle this. And this is what I want to talk to you about today. We're going to read the end of chapter 11 and into chapter 12 a little bit. But because Lazarus was raised from the dead, there was a lot of controversy. The religious leaders were having conversation. They didn't know what to do. So I want to pick up in John chapter 11, verses 48 through 52. And this is under, if you're looking at the notes, I put in one was the religious leaders and how they responded. If you look at verse 48... It says this, If we allow him to go on like this, talking about Jesus, soon everyone will believe in him. Then the Roman army will come and destroy both our temple and our nation. Caiaphas, who was the high priest at the time, said, You don't know what you're talking about. You don't realize that it's better for you that one man should die for the people than for the whole nation to be destroyed. He did not say this. On his own, as high priest at the time, he was led to prophecy that Jesus would die for the entire nation. And not only for the nation, but to bring together and unite all the children of God scattered around the world. Now, in this, in the understanding of the religious leaders, they believed that the attention that Jesus was getting, that all of these people coming to him, that the Roman government would see that as arising up by the Jewish people and that they would come in and stomp it out, that they would destroy the temple, that they would destroy all the people, the nation. 
So in their minds, because they didn't see the bigger picture, in their minds, they didn't understand who Jesus was. They kind of related him to other religious leaders that had popped up, other fanatics that were military leaders that were coming to take over or to start war against Rome which is not at all what Jesus was trying to do. Actually, when people tried to set him up as king, he said, look, no, my time has not yet come. See, it was a prophecy that he gave about what Jesus was going to do because what Caiaphas said was true. One man dying for the entire world, but this wasn't a political revolution. This wasn't a salvation of the nation politically it was the salvation of the world through Jesus. They didn't understand what was going on. So the religious leaders, see, they didn't want to rock the boat. We've talked about this for a little bit. This is one criticism that Jesus had for them. Not only the Pharisees, but the Sadducees, those that were in charge of the church, they had this relationship with Rome. Rome was oppressing the Jews. But the religious leaders, they had certain privileges. As long as the Jews stayed in line, and as long as they were good little citizens, didn't step out of line, Rome left them alone. And then the religious leaders had their power. They, they could go and speak to the Roman leaders. They, could, they had special privileges. And they were concerned that those privileges would go away. They were concerned that the power that they had would be lost if Jesus kept going the way that he was going. See, this was never what was intended for God's people. God's people were never supposed to live under the authority of another nation. Actually, if you go all the way back to Exodus, when God brought them out of Egypt with Moses, he gave them what he told them that they were going to have a promised land, right? That he was going to give them land that they would be their own nation that they would have their own thing. As long as they follow God, they would be their own nation. They would rule themselves, actually under the authority of God, their king. And so we see throughout the history of Israel that they would turn their backs on God, and God would allow other nations to come in and oppress them and rule over them, and then God would rescue them. And then a few years later, 20, 30, 40 years later, usually 40 to 80 years later, they would turn their back on God and God would allow another nation to come in. Well, that's what would happen in Rome. They had lost sight of who God is. And the Roman government was oppressing them, had taken control of them. So they were living as Jews inside, in their own country, under Roman authority. That was never the promise that God had for them. So in the midst of this, the high priest speaks prophetic words. In verse 50, it's better for one man to die for the entire nation than for the nation to be destroyed. Again, they didn't want to rock the boat. They didn't understand the fullness of who Jesus was and what he had come to do. Or the freedom that he would bring. They missed what God was doing. They missed what was right before their eyes. They missed this bigger picture. This, that was the one criticism that Jesus had. He opposed the religious leaders because they missed God. They weren't following God. They were concerned about themselves, about their power, about their authority, about what they had. I don't think all of the Pharisees were bad. I think they even felt justified in what they were doing, that they were trying to protect 
the Jewish people, but what they weren't doing was putting their trust in God. Now, there were some that were only concerned about their authority, that were only concerned about their control and their power. We see much the same thing happen in our world. Not much has changed. People get defensive of their power. They get defensive. They try to hold on. They try to hold on to what they think is theirs. They don't see that there is a bigger picture going on. See, this life is temporary. We are only here for a short period of time. Our lives are fragile. They were trying to hold on to something that was temporal, power, wealth, pats on the back, good seats at the table, authority. They were missing the bigger picture of what God wanted to do. So now I want to move our attention to chapter 12, which is after Jesus raised Lazarus from the grave, Jesus took a step back and withdrew to uh, Ephraim with his disciples. So he, he kind of checked out for a little bit. This was a big thing. There was a lot of turmoil, a lot of buzz going on around that. Uh, he knew that the religious leaders wanted to kill him. So he took a step back, he went out near the wilderness, stayed in this village called Ephraim, and he stayed with his disciples for a while. I don't know what that time period was, but we know that just six days before the Passover, and this is leading to that last week of Jesus' life, that's where we're going to be going for the next little bit, the last week of Jesus' life. So the story picks up six days before Passover. In verse 1, we're going to read verses 1 through 11 of chapter 12, and I want you to hear what happens next. Six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made of essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it. Wiping his feet with her hair, the house was filled with the fragrance. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, That perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief, and since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. Jesus replied, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. When all the people heard of Jesus' arrival, they flocked to see him and also to see Lazarus, the man that Jesus raised from the dead. Then the leading priest decided to kill Lazarus too, for it was because of him that many people had deserted them and believed in Jesus. So you have this whole story. Jesus is going to Mary and Martha's house to prepare to go in for the Passover. It's just outside of Jerusalem in Bethany. Now we had the religious leaders response to Jesus. They were trying to kill him. They believed that if they destroyed Jesus, they would save their nation from harm of Rome. That they were protecting, that's what they told themselves, that they were protecting the nation from Rome but they were also protecting their own power. They were also protecting their own hides. They felt like, oh, if Jesus gets in the power, then we lose what we're doing. They did not see this bigger picture. They did not understand. Well, here, I want you to get Judas's response to this whole situation for a second. How did Judas respond to Mary's actions? 
Think about that for a minute. What did he do? He criticized her actions under the false pretense of caring for the poor. So get this picture. They're all lounging around the table because that's kind of how they did. They kind of, the table was really low and they kind of leaned back on their arms and they would eat. And they're, they're lounging around the table and Mary comes in and she takes this 12 ounce jar of perfume that's worth as much as one person would make in a year. That's a lot. If you put that in the context, that's a lot of money. Now, it depends on how much you make, but that's a, that's a lot of money. And she broke it over Jesus' feet, and she wept and, and, and washed his feet with her hair, and it filled the room. And Judas' response was scoffing and anger and, and like, look, man, we could have sold that and gave that money to the poor. And really what he was saying was we could have sold that, put the money in the purse, and I could have taken my cut. Because right here it very plainly said he was a thief, that he would steal from the money that was given to support the disciples. Judas's heart was not in the right place. So when he was confronted with the truth of Jesus, when he was confronted with something that was very worshipful, he tried to protect what was his, just like the Pharisees. The Pharisees tried to protect their power, their status, their position. Judas tried to protect his way of making money, this little bit that he's skimming on the side. He had hooked up with Jesus who was gaining popularity. When that happens, people give money, things were happening. And so he was taking his cut off of that as he managed the money. Judas's heart was not in the right place from the beginning. His motives began to show themselves. He was only focused on the actions of Mary and how it might affect him. He did not care about the poor. He missed what was happening. He missed what was right before his eyes, that Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, was right before him. You see, when we get our eyes off of focus, off of Jesus, when we get into places, whether we're pastors or leaders or just Christians leading a group, when we take our eyes off of God and we get consumed with ourselves, when things start to threaten that, we tighten it up and we try to hold on to what is ours. What we believe is ours, what we believe what we deserve. And we try to hold on to it with all that we're worth because we have wrapped our worth up in those things and not in God. We've taken our focus off of Jesus. See, I see the same thing happening to pastors today. Many leaders of churches, they've gotten so consumed with the hype of who they are and, and Man, they've drawn a big crowd and people think that they're, they're amazing and they have all this respect and whatever that may be. And so when somebody comes in and threatens their authority or threatens what's going on, they, they, they cling on to it. And they hold on to it because they're not holding on to Jesus. They're holding on to this position, this power, this false sense of importance. Often those desires lead to moral failures and they lead to discrediting the church. We're hearing it more and more. 
very sad. That we're seeing people all over the country that have been leaders in the church that are having moral failures, that are struggling in their relationships, that are hurting people, all so that they can have their power, all out of their privilege of being a pastor. It breaks my heart. It makes it hard. It, it's part of the reason that people don't trust the church today taking their eyes off of Jesus. And I don't believe that each one of them came in to be wolves and came in to destroy the church. I think some of them lost their way because they took their eyes off of Jesus. Just like I don't think all the Pharisees were bad people. They just didn't understand. They didn't know the voice of God. Remember a few weeks ago we talked about the Good Shepherd, Jesus being the Good Shepherd, and that the sheep knew His voice because they knew the Father the Pharisees didn't know the Father anymore. They were all about their power. They are all about their rituals, all about their rules, but lost sight about who God was. They missed it. They missed the bigger picture. Like the Pharisees and Judas, they couldn't see. They didn't see how their actions today might affect eternity. They couldn't see that bigger picture of what was going to happen. We don't ever want to lose sight of the bigger picture. See, this life is temporary. I was listening to something this week I thought was really interesting. Um, there's a podcast that Christianity Today put out that dealt with the rise and fall of a mega church out of the West Coast where a pastor without any accountability, had become more of a dictator than a pastor, and, and it hurt a lot of people. And they kind of shared the story. It wasn't there just to lamp. It was more to share how does one get to this place. I've learned a lot listening to this podcast. Well, they wrapped up the podcast late last year, but they had a few extra things that they were doing. And one of the things they had a... Uh, they had somebody come on and was just sharing a little bit about what was going on. And, and they talked about something that I thought was really interesting. That we as the church have lost sight of the power of death in the church. And what I mean by that is, is that we've lost the ability to understand that this life is short. We said, you know, we don't see graveyards around churches anymore. And those graveyards would remind us of the fleeting time that we have on this earth. Not to be morbid, not to force us to serve God out of fear, but just to realize that life is short, that there's more to this life than this little bit of power, this little bit of gain that we're striving after, that we got to keep our focus on Jesus. And, and I thought that was pretty interesting. And, I, and as I was preparing for this message, that came back to my mind, that the Pharisees were consumed with what was happening in their time today. We're going to lose our power. We're going to lose what we know. Instead of trusting God for something new, the Messiah was coming to change everything. They didn't understand. They missed what God was doing. Judas, the Messiah, standing before him, walked with him, ate with him, learned from him, took all of that in and missed what Je who Jesus really was. 
was only concerned about Jesus becoming more popular so they'd have more money so that he could take some for himself. Lost sight of that bigger picture. That's why people say, well, how could somebody be in the presence of God all the time and miss God? It happens all the time. There are tons of people, maybe you're one of them, that's been in the church your entire life and yet didn't have a relationship with God because God was all around you, but you never engaged with Him. You were consumed with yourself. And we created a culture in our churches of consumerism where we come to church to consume that we're going to get what we're supposed to get from God. Come in and get your blessing. Come in and get this. Come in and get that. And those things are all great, and God does want to bless you. But if the only reason you come to church is to get your blessing or to make yourself feel better, you're missing who God is. You're living in the moment and missing the bigger picture. Because whether in this life we have everything go our way or we have trouble and trials, God does not change, and He's still for us, and He has a bigger plan. And yeah, He may not want us to suffer, and He may rescue out of those things, but sometimes we need to go through the suffering to get where He wants us to go. This life is temporary. It isn't all all there is. could get an illness that I don't recover from, and it doesn't mean that God isn't able. It just means that God's plan... For my life has a beginning and an end. Now, I'd love to be here when Jesus comes back, and I don't know when that is. It could be now, it could be in a, 10 minutes from now, it could be 100 years from now. It'd be pretty awesome to see Jesus come back and just skip the whole death thing. But even if he doesn't, I've got to keep my eyes fixed on him and not get caught up like Judas and like the Pharisees and get caught up in my own thing to hold tightly onto what I have. So Jesus said, if we cling to this life, we're going to lose it. But if we give up this life, we'll gain it. We'll gain eternal life. Fix our eyes on him. So there's one person in the story that I haven't talked about yet. We had the Pharisees, and I, and I know I went back into chapter 11 and into chapter 12. It kind of switched to a different story, but I think the, the parallels are there. Mary. I want to talk about Mary's actions for just a few minutes. Her actions were so completely different than the Pharisees or Judas. Mary's actions... We're in line with the heart of God. Think about this for a minute. She was led. She had to have been led by the Spirit. It doesn't specifically say that, but you don't come to that place unless the Holy Spirit's leading you because Jesus said she did this to anoint me for my burial. There was a purpose and a plan that God had, and Mary, in tune with the heart of God, led by the Spirit, takes this thousands of dollars worth of perfume, the most expensive stuff you could buy, 12 ounces, a year's wages for the average person, thousands of dollars. She broke it open and poured it on Jesus' feet and began to wipe them as she wept and, and took her hair as part of her worship to him. She sacrificed 
something that was very important. Most scholars believe that this was probably a, the family's perfume that had probably been there is probably used sparingly, like Jesus mentioned that, it, that she's preparing me for a burial. They would use this expensive perfume, one, to help keep the smell down, but two, as, as a part of the ritual to prepare a body for burial. Something used on a very rare occasion. For just that right moment. And she took it to Jesus, who she believed to be the Messiah, the Son of God. She broke it at his feet, giving it all to him, pouring it all out to him. Here's what I have. Take it. To those sitting there, she probably seemed a little crazy. We know she did to Judas. I don't know about the others. We don't get everybody's reaction. But I know that it probably seemed a little out of the ordinary for somebody to come in and to basically give a year's worth of wages and just say, here it is, in worship of God. Take it. Jesus defends her actions. Listen to what he says in verses 7 and 8. Jesus replied, leave her alone, talking, rebuking Judas. Leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You'll always have the poor among you, but you'll not always have me. See, Jesus is preparing his disciples for his departure. God is preparing them for for Jesus to die on the cross. They don't know it yet, but Jesus is about to die. God knows this bigger picture. Mary was a part of that bigger picture. Her actions, yes, they could have done, and Jesus pushed them to care for the poor. But there are moments when we're to care for the poor, and there are moments when we're to worship God with everything we have. And as much as we try to feed everybody, as much as we do those things, there will always be poor. There will always be a need. doesn't mean that we stop doing it because, oh, we're not making a difference. We are making a difference in those individual lives, but there's always going to be a need. And we come to a point where we're useless if we don't focus first on Jesus. If we don't take the time to keep our eyes on Him, See, Jesus is concerned about the needs of the poor. But right at this moment was a time to focus on Jesus. His time was short. Some of you may think about this. I want you to think about this. This is very similar to the actions that Mary had another time. There was another time in Mary's Mary's life where she was criticized for doing something when she was expected to do something else. I want you to look at Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. You may be familiar with this passage. As Jesus and his disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to the village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. 
Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught, but Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about, and Mary has discovered it. And it will not be taken away from her. Jesus rebuked Martha in the same way he rebuked Judas. I think it was a little, probably a little harsher with Judas, because I think with Martha, he's saying, look, yes, that is the expectation, but Mary found something of value, of worth. She's doing what's really important. Spending time with me. In both cases, Mary did something that was out of the ordinary, unorthodoxed, to be in the presence of Jesus. One, just to sit and learn at his feet, and the other out of worship, of sacrifice. So that's part of seeing the bigger picture, understanding that what's really important in this life is sitting at the feet of Jesus, understanding, hearing his words, reading his words, listening to what the Spirit's saying to you. Worshiping Him. That's the foundation. She understood the bigger picture. So what can we learn from this passage? What does this have to do with reflecting the light? Remember, everything that we're doing through this series is all about us learning how to reflect Jesus. Well, Mary taught us how to do that. She taught us how to be at the feet of Jesus. We can't reflect Jesus if we don't spend time with Him. We can't reflect Jesus if we don't know Him and sit at His feet. So the first thing is to understand that there is a bigger picture. Understand that there is more than just this immediate things around us, that we need to put some time aside to spend time with our Savior that we need to know His Word and understand it and read it and absorb it, that we need to engage in worship. That's why we come together as a body to worship. You don't have to have a big church to do that. Coming together, when we come together, it's worship. We share meals together. We give an offering. We, we worship in our singing. We worship in our giving. We worship in caring for the needs of one another and hearing His Word. We need to get this ingrained in our lives. Jesus is the priority. Following Him takes priority over everything else we do in our lives, even the good things. Luke 12, 33-34, Jesus' words, Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Think about this. The treasure of the Pharisees was in their power, their authority, and their status. So what did they try to hold on to? Their power, their authority, and status, that's where their heart was. It wasn't in line with God. It was in line with holding on to those things. It's where their treasure was. Think about Judas. Judas was concerned with money. So all he could think about when he saw those thousands of dollars being poured out over the feet of Jesus is, whoa, wait a minute, we could have sold that. Now he played it off, hey, we could have given the money to the poor. Could have sold that. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be. 
What was Mary's treasure? Jesus. Jesus. She sat at his feet and learned. She sat at his feet and worshipped. She gave everything that she had to him. The most valuable thing. So, remember, there's a bigger picture. Second thing is put God first in all things. Mary chose to honor Jesus first. She chose to honor Jesus first before she helped with the food. She chose to honor Jesus first with the giving of her of this oil, of the anointing of his feet. It's a very bold move. Look at Matthew 6.33. It says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Did you catch that? Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he'll give you everything that you need. See, when we cling on to it for ourselves, eventually we're going to lose it. But when we seek God and we seek to honor Him, doing what Mary did, you gain everything. Everything you need will be given to you. Maybe not everything you want, but everything you need will be given to you. In this life, you'll need nothing. And in the next life, you'll be given everything. See, that's the beauty of this. See, Mary understood these things. She honored God with everything she had. So the last thing today is learn to obey the leading of God. We make Jesus the priority. The voice of God will guide us. No matter how strange it seems, we need to follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit. I'm sure for Mary to pour that oil over him was out of character, out of context. It just didn't seem right. She did it. There are times that we're going to do things that God asks us to do, that He's going to lead us through the Spirit, that others around us are going to be looking and going, what in the world are you doing? Hold firm to that. Follow Him in that. He will honor you. He defended Mary for doing what was necessary, what was right. She was led by the Spirit. So my challenge to you today is, Who do you identify with? Are you more like the Pharisees trying to hold on to position and power and status? You like Judas, you're trying to hold on to your money. Or are you like Mary? And there's a lot in this life I love, but it pales in comparison to Jesus. Even our families, our money, all of that, Cares and comparison to knowing Jesus. Because He gives us eternal life. See, we don't have to worry about our money because He'll provide money for us. I'm not saying quit your job or anything unless the Holy Spirit leads you. But don't make money your priority. Make knowing Jesus your priority. Make following the Spirit your priority. And God will always care for your needs. It's His promise seen it in my own life. Is Jesus in that place that you can trust Him with all things today? Let me pray over you. Father, I thank you for everybody that's watching this today. I ask right now that in Jesus' name that we would yield to your presence, your power, your Holy Spirit. 
that we would learn to trust you in all things. That we would make knowing you our priority. That we make following you our priority today. Lord, help us to see the bigger picture that this life is temporary. It's not all there is. That all of these things, status, power, toys, all of this stuff is temporary. Lord, help us to know you. Help us to follow you the way Mary followed you. To love you the way Mary loved you. To worship you the way Mary worshiped you. Lord, so that we can be a reflection of who you are, we want to know you that deeply. Lord, I thank you for all that you're doing in us. Help us to live more for you today. Forgive us for the way we've put other things in front of you. Help us to honor you today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you so much for worshiping with us today. Again, if, you're, if this message has touched you, you need somebody to pray with you, please click that prayer button. Allow us to pray with you. Remember, it's a private window. Nobody else sees it but our, our uh, hosts, and they will pray with you. Make sure you check out our calendar. Make sure you come back and, and join us for some of the things we have going on this week. We love you. We're praying for you, and we'll see you next time.